Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. again and welcome to episode 127 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host Michael McCall and we're going to be bringing you a special WFC2 end of season podcast this episode. So if you were listening to last episode 126, you'll know that the USL season wrapped up on Sunday WC2 suffered an agonising 3-2 defeat, losing a two-goal lead in the second half to Austin Aztecs, finishing the season's second bottom. But all in all, a good first inaugural season, getting some of the younger players in the Whitecaps development system some key minutes going forward, and giving a number of them something to build upon next season. So after the game on Sunday, my regular co-host Steve Pander and myself were joined by Curva Collective's Zachary Meisenheimer, just have a quick roundtable discussion about the WFC2 season. Some of the highs, some of the lows and some of the players that kind of stood out and maybe pushing to, to make the grade uh, at the MLS first team. So we're going to be bringing you that shortly. Now, on our last episode of the podcast, we had Alan Koch just giving a, a quick rundown on his thoughts on the, the first season for WFC2. So for those of you that missed it or for those that heard it and just want a quick recap... Here's what Alan Koch had to see. Yeah, it's def- definitely a success. Obviously, the, the number of individuals within our group that have grown immensely during the course of the season is a resounding success. And obviously, we're trying to balance development and trying to win some games, and, and today was a great snapshot of what our season's been like. Uh, play good football, scored two fantastic goals by Brett Levi's, could have scored a few other ones, and then obviously some momentary lapses, and we concede three goals and we lose the game. Um, but positives, we're, we're playing good football uh, within the club model, and positives, we played... Two other teenagers again today that have they got 30 minutes in today's game, um, so fantastic uh, opportunities for them. Yeah, patience probably is one of the biggest things. Um, it's this is development, obviously, so it takes time. Uh, it takes time to develop individual players. It takes time to build a team. Obviously, the makeup of being essentially our club's reserve team, it's ever it's been continually changing. Uh, but yeah, learnt, learnt a lot. Uh, and I think our entire group has learnt a lot, which will hopefully help us uh, be better next year. I think it's something more as a club that we need to address. So obviously, our first team's had fantastic uh, 
results this year and won a lot of games. Um, but we'll obviously have to adjust a couple of positional needs that we need as a club uh, because we have players that get loaned down from the MLS team. But then we'll also have to make a couple of key USL acquisitions so we have the right players in certain, in certain positions. Uh, well, we've got a lot of young players uh, and hopefully we're going to retain a lot of these young players, which is great, so we can continue to, to mould them into the type of players we want them to be. We definitely need one or two of the right uh, experienced players. Uh, we've got a few months, obviously, to address that over the off-season. How has the season shaped you as a coach uh, going through this for the first time? Uh, good question. I, I'm used to winning. Um, so it's it's been, I mentioned patience. That's been my biggest challenge, obviously, is we're having to balance things. Uh, and it's been a growing uh, and learning experience as we've gone along. Uh, I feel like I've learned. I feel like our players have learned. I feel like our WFC2 group have grown uh, and got better. Uh, I think our on-field product has got better as we've gone through throughout the season. Uh, and I think it's going to be nice now for us to, to reflect, uh, reflect on the successes, uh, reflect on the areas that we need to adjust to make sure we're better with them um, so we can continue to move forward in the right direction next year. Obviously, you were talking about next year, but uh, what's the next step for them this year? Uh, are, is there going to be any post-season training? Are you going to keep the guys around and work on some stuff and keep, keep kind of the chemistry going on? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to definitely train. We're going to train for the next few months, uh, I think, which is going to be great because it gives us actually an opportunity now to actually focus on addressing individual needs. Uh, when you roll from game to game, a lot of the time you're just preparing the team to make sure you get yourself ready for that game. Now we can actually have chats with the players and, and look at certain things and say, hey, you need to work on this. But thankfully, we've got the next two months to actually address those things, which will make them better come next preseason. The three young players that were recently signed, what have, uh, in, the three, in the few games you've seen of them, what have you seen out of them? And what, they're, all, they're obviously going to go back to residency. What, what can they improve on during there? And, Bring back to the Reds. Yeah, great opportunity, obviously, from coming in and earn professional playing minutes. And I think today was a great snapshot of the step between playing youth football and stepping into a professional team. Uh, I don't think Tommy and Caden did badly by any means. Uh, today was a good development opportunity for them, but they got another taste of it, uh, and hopefully they can grow from that. Uh, I know Terran went away with the residency team this weekend. Uh, I haven't chatted with any of the technical staff yet to see how he did, but they've got to realize that they've got to work hard there so that when they come back to us next preseason, they're going to be ready to make the jump up. Uh, and that doesn't just go for them, that goes for all the other lads in the residency team. We're, we're continually looking at them, we're continually evaluating them to see who are the right guys that are deserving of these opportunities so we can push them up into this environment and hopefully push as many of them as we can up into the MLS. So some of the thoughts from Alan Koch there about the WFC2's inaugural season. I also had a chance to catch up with Robot training on Monday just to kind of get some of his thoughts on, on how he feels the... The first season for the team went, was it what he was hoping for and what lessons that he may have learned taking into next year for how best to use the team. So here's some thoughts now from Carl Robinson. The USL season wrapped up yep. yesterday. What do you make of how the season's been for the team and what, are you, what have you learned from it moving into next season? Well, I've learned a lot how um, important it is for the first team that we have a platform there that players can play. You know, at the start of the season, Timmy Parker played a lot of games. Kian's played a lot of games. Davy Flores played in games. Bustos, Benny Mack. You know, it's it's helped his growth and development. Unfortunately, he's got injured at the moment, but so that's an important aspect of it. You know, sometimes you get caught up in results, and that's going to be the big million-dollar question for us as a club. Is you know, we we didn't qualify for the playoffs, but the intention, you know, uh, and don't misquote me on this, is is about development. It's not about whether we can get in the playoffs. We'd like to get in the playoffs and that'll be an aim and goal, but it's about getting young players' games and young players through the system and 
you know, it's finding that balance because there's a number of teams that do that or you know spend more money than us doing certain things and look for playoffs. And we we won't change what our philosophy is and our you know our end goal is, and that is to develop players, develop young Canadian players through through these programs. And unfortunately, with that, you're going to get young, inexperienced results like we did on on Saturday. We got two lap, we put two 16, 17 year olds on, and we lose three two. It's not their fault. They played very well when they come on, uh, Tommy and Caden. So. You know, it is what it is in relation to that. So, you know, if there's um, any unhappiness, just come and blame me. No problem. So the thoughts there of both Whitecaps coaches that had a, a big input into WFC2 this year. Now it's time for our thoughts. So I say we're going to move to our roundtable discussion. Steve has to leave halfway through, so we're joined for the first time in the podcast by AFTN photographer Tom Iwasiak. So lots of chat, lots of thought, lots of opinions, so... Let's get to that now. So as we said, we recorded this podcast at the last WFC2 game of the season. We've come inside now. You can probably get echo now instead of wind and crowd noise, but hey, it's outside broadcast. What what do you expect? Don't say we don't provide variety. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. And I think we've had a lot of variety in the WFC2 team this season. What we're going to do now, we are joined by head honcho of Curva Collective, Zachary Meisenheimer. Hello, Michael. So we're just going to do a very quick overview of the WFC2 season. Was it worthwhile? I think we can agree, yeah. But it's like, what, what were the highs? What were the lows? What can we take out of it? And what should this club need to do moving forward? So I know Zach's got a lot of things he wants to say about this. So let's kick things off with Zach. I thought you were going to do it too, actually. Uh, I uh, I think that yeah, we, uh, there's lots of different things to break down for WFC, uh, WFC two. When we're talking about on the pitch, I think I think yeah, it it served the purpose within our club that I think we all longed for it too. I think we have a quality person in Alan Koch. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his last name, but I think Alan is a quality football person who uh, came in with a good reputation, and I think he um, extended that reputation in in, in his first year. Um, I think that he, the way he uh, put together the team and uh, dealt with uh, the various hands that he was dealt, um, or the way he, yeah, the way he worked through the, the, the different uh, players he was given and, and asked to uh, bring into the team, I think he did a, a really, a really great job. So I think, like on the pitch, I think, yeah, we had an opportunity for players to uh, get minutes from our residency to. Um, uh, a number of first team players and who are on loan for the season and whatever uh, opportunities to develop to play in a, 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 obviously a higher level than PDL like in the past and uh, so I think for me on that I think that's that's the most important thing results were results I don't think anyone was overly surprised except for maybe that we were so we ended up so far down the table maybe but I don't think too many supporters are you know anxious about the results of, of the first year um, well, I would say I'm anxious but I did want the team to win 
Oh, and, and I, want, everyone wanted the team. Yeah, I do feel as well though when you're charging money for a product, then you have to like it's not just about development, it is about results and it's about winning. And Alan like we we spoke to Alan, it's like development's a key factor, the key factor, but he also wanted the results. No, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, you bring in, you're bringing into other elements of the WFC conversa- conversation. I, I, I agree with you. You forget about forget about the uh, charging people to to attend the the matches. I, I think you as a club, and when you sit down with people and you talk, like, what do what do you want your club to be? Uh, the, the primary thing is not about, oh, we're this or that or whatever. You want to be a, a club that wins. You want to be a club that's victorious. So, yeah, I think as a – I appreciated that about Alan's comments throughout the year, that he recognized that uh, the, the high priority on, on, on results while at the same time also bringing players through. And so, yeah, I think the results are disapp- maybe not surprising but are, are disappointing and disheartening that WCF2 doesn't start with kind of like a winning culture in its first year. But I think that um, I think that the the way in which uh, players were brought through or began to brought through our club, I think that that for me outweighs the fact that we didn't get the results that we all would have hoped for. I think one of the biggest uh, highs, I think, of, especially long term, is going to be proved to be the Marco Bustos. Um, introduction into the team and his emergence and everything essentially he's played so well and then also obviously the three uh, newcomers that came in through residency that were signed late uh, all three have made their debuts Um, Taron Campbell the big strong winger who can play striker as well Um, you had Caden Chung who really impressed uh, when he came on in his first couple of games and then Thomas Gardner who a lot of people like me and Michael were surprised that he got signed because he had it, such an injury full season, but the Whitecaps are very high on him. So they're, those all three of those guys, that those bringing those guys in, shows how valuable WFC two is. I, t- I totally, I totally agree, Steve. Like the when you when you talk about the guys who played minutes this year, uh, and even if they weren't huge minutes, uh, it's it's really exciting and really really encouraging. So you. Yeah, the, the the guys at the end of the year, the the residency guys, the 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 seventeen year olds or whatever at the end of the year were huge. Caden Caden Chung when he came on in that game and almost scored, when he when he broke down the right side, broke through the right side and like probably should have shot last game. Um, it was, I mean, it was every, it was very very exciting. You guys can't see this, but uh, right now Steve, Steve and Michael are posing for photos, and so they look quite ridiculous. But no, so the, the, those younger guys coming through. But then, to me, it's like it's also. I know Mitch had a horrendous year with injury and stuff. But you know, uh, so it, it, uh, we would have longed for him to play more. I think. Uh, sorry, I personally longed for him to play more. I really wish he would have yeah, been playing. He was starting to get picking up. And he got totally, when he wasn't injured, he was playing every every game. Yeah. Uh, most 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 game matches the full game. Christian Dean was inexperienced. He got beat. Yeah, he, that helped. Him. But like non first team players, I'm yeah. talking about like so Jackson Farmer. So he had nowhere in the past. He would have nowhere to go other than university or 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 a lower league sure. Europe or lower league here in North America or whatever. And so now he had that opportunity to stay within the club. Uh, Marco Carducci, who I wish he had played more uh, personally. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know fully where things are at because I know he's always like here, there, this national team. You know, but I really wish like even today I was kind of hoping he was going to be the guy today. But I guess maybe yeah. It's been it's been great for those players. And then yeah, the MLS players, McKendry, uh, Caleb, who. I don't know, man. Like he is so talented, and he has so, so he's to, he's talented. He has the tools. I I I wonder with him having experienced what he's experienced, if it's it's the level that's not that, that maybe seems like he sometimes 
a little bit less engaged than than we've seen him in the past. Because to me, I, Caleb Clark can still can still make uh, the the breakthrough, if you will. The way the way I mean, how many goals do they have this year? Seven was six, seven. 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 So, like, if you're gonna ask how many goals you gotta do the chat first. Yeah, right. you do exactly. So, so he has seven goals, and everyone's like, oh, Tony you top scorer of a beastie. Yeah, exactly. So everyone's like, oh, we, we expect more. But then again, he's also he's most one of the most meaningful goal scorers in the side, right? So, I think because he we all saw him score so many goals at youth at the youth levels that we just long for that to, to happen. And we even saw on his time his time in Germany. He was scoring and setting up goals at a, I would say, a higher level than USL personally. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I would long for him to be an, an option for our first team uh, in the years to come, and I, I still hope he'll make that breakthrough. Even though I know some people have, you know, expressed concern over his year in USL. I still have doubts that he is MLS quality. There's rumors floating about that he he wants to go back to Germany as well. So we'll see if he's even remains with the club next year. You know, and I was surprised. I, to be honest, I was shocked. I still remember the day we, we showed up for a meeting. Uh, showed up for a meeting one time, and he was you know, there to sign his uh, extend his deal or whatever. And I was to be honest, I was surprised. I was surprised that he was not already going back to Germany. To but maybe he needed that time to away from there to show that he was fully recovered from his injury. And now maybe yeah, maybe he does have the opportunity to go back. He has the skills. He's got those goals this season. I was a little bit disappointed with Mackenzie Pridham because I was so high in him going into this season. And like everyone was laughing because I was going on so much about like he was going to be the starting striker. He was so good. And I don't did he even get a goal this year? I don't even think he did. Well he got one today, but it got ruled out. But you scored four goals in that one game and you you've been living off that ever since. Yeah, it was against SFU to be fair. Yeah, no, I, I think it was it was. Uh, I was also disappointed with a little bit how he was used and stuff, but I, I didn't watch training, so um, but I've been a little bit disappointed with just how the team's been used in general. And I know it's all about getting players' minutes. I just feel when you're chopping and changing the starting lineup as much as we were, they're not going to get any consistency. And it, we, we talked about this before. The teams played better when they didn't have the MLS lone guys coming down. I'm not talking about like the Bustos, McKendries, those guys. I'm talking about the other guys coming Diego down. Rodriguez. Diego Rodriguez. Tim Part and Christian Dean did not bad, but when you consider that we scored a lot of goals, our defence was terrible, and there's no sugarcoating that. Yes. Our defence was terrible, I, and giving up a two-goal lead today, yes. the way that they gave that up, yeah. it doesn't bode well that for any of these guys making the cut as, as defenders. No. I, and so I felt, yeah, I felt bad for Jackson on that. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently uh, with a vested interest <laughs> in all this and was just like, yeah, going forward, we're great. But as soon as we lose the ball, we're, we're, we're bound to give up some goals. I, I, um, I, when you talk about, when you talk about, um, when you talk about, you know, giving the consistency thing, I think that hurts the players at the back far more than it does the attacking players. Oh, totally, yeah. So, so when you, I just took Steve's point, so that's good. Um, no, but like, so yeah, when you have that that inconsistency, and we did. We when when you have five center backs that you're trying to get time from the first team, yeah, they're gonna. Some of them are gonna end up in, playing in your in your second team, and so. Uh, I, I, then one, one of the bigger conversations around all this that some people in our country like to have is like, what are we actually doing as as a as a club? 
and to be on, like you know, are we should we be allowing more older players and whatever be involved, or should it all be like, for example, Montreal, all be like mostly residency and really crazy young prospects and whatever? And I'm to be honest, I'm I'm kind of happy with how we've done. It. I think you need to have this. You need to have this opportunity for, uh, you need to have, you know earlier in the year Robert Earnshaw to come and down and just get one game to get match fit. Maybe that wasn't meaningful in the course of the whole season, but like you know, you need you need to have that kind of thing. My my one question for you or you guys, or maybe you've already talked about this, but I I question a little bit of not definitely not Tyler Roseland, uh, but I question so many of the seeming like seemingly veteran signings or guys in the squad who like so you, you talk about Mac Pritt, Billy Shillow, Billy, Sh Billy Sh Ian yes, ex those guys exactly. You guys see more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nothing against them. I just, I wonder, especially with Bill, especially with Billy, who did provide, who did set up goals, who did score some goals, whatever. Like he, he contributed. No question. I don't question that. But would that time not be more beneficial for a Mac Pridham or or someone else? Well, when you look at the team didn't make the playoffs, and it, yeah, they were in with a shout for the playoffs up to the last few weeks. But yeah, you would think, are those guys ever going to sign for the Whitecaps in MLS? Yeah. No. No. It, and you do need some of them. That's why, like, I like, I, I really, pre I really appreciate we brought in Tyler Roseland. I really, he's a local guy. He's played in the league. He's played in MLS a little bit. Like, I appreciate, like, I and he, and he, I think has proved to be like a good leader for for that. But I feel like we, there was probably too many of those kind of kind of players when, as opposed to like this, the, the left back they just brought in, Win, the uh, the New Zealand oh, guy. Yeah, Declan. So, like, to me, he's younger, and there's a chance that we're like we're actually looking at him. Yeah. Where like Christensen and Billy, they're mid twenties, and they're basically yeah, they're 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 they're, they're, they're USL player. So, yeah. my my question is, how many of those players do we need? So, if we get, well, I mean, obviously, I like Win because he's not Canadian. <laughs> Are you trying to you're trying to speak into other narratives that people in our country like to have? No. So my, that's that's one of my questions. Is it, as we look at what we're gonna do next year, I don't know I don't know what these contracts are. But but I assume they're all, like back in the day, USL day, they're all like one year plus options. So that would be my, more my concern is if, if, if they're happy with how things went this year, aside from maybe getting more, more results, then, then I would say let's move forward with more of our own players or more of players that we think have a bigger opportunity. You need, you need a few, you need some Tyler Rosalinds, like people like that who are going to contribute, provide leadership and provide some quality on the pitch. But I think we had a few too, too many of them, but, but that does help with that whole consistency thing. So it's like a two-sided coin, right? But yeah. Also Rosalind knows the league because yes. he's Rochester. been with Rochester for, for umpteen years. So Steve, you've not said very much so far. So let, let's, hear your thoughts on all this and also you spoke to Alan uh, as we heard there after the after the match so you can kind of touch on what, what he said yeah he was basically talking about like he, he he's used to winning and he wanted to win even though he had these players in um going up and down and everything like that and I think he I think next year they want to maintain a lot of the young players obviously uh, he reiterated that and basically he wanted to bring it in he wants to be more consistent with the go, people going up and down and everything like that and he's hoping the schedule works better for them next year too because scheduling it, it messes it up a little bit when you don't know what's going on from the day before scheduling was a difficult thing like yeah I, as, a, as a supporter schedule was not not enjoyable it was also the problem as well that as, as coach of this team Alan didn't know a lot of the time like what MLS players he was going to get in. And because some of the players may have played on the Saturday for the double header, the two home double headers, 
he might have got them on the Sunday, but it all depended on whether they were going to play and get minutes on the Saturday. And it's, it's just really, really difficult. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. This team, primarily, was sanctioned by the CSA, along with Toronto and Montreal, yeah. to bring forward the development of homegrown young Canadian talent. And let's be honest, the best player, the player that's shone through most, that doesn't have an MLS contract already, is Spanish, Victor Blasco. It does look like Carroll is wanting to see more of him. He has been a little bit inconsistent this season, but it looks like Carroll wants to see what he can do and might bring him into pre-season training camp just to have a look at him for a, a number of weeks. He's trained with the first team a couple of times so far. And for me, he, he was the shining light apart from like Bustos and McKendria, as mentioned. But from the guys that don't have MLS contracts, for the guys that's pushing to try and make the breakthrough up to the MLS team, for me, Blasco was the only guy that's really put himself in the frame for moving up to that level. Yeah, I think Victor, I think you're right. Victor has been, the consistency has been a bit of an issue, but I think there's enough there. And I think that would be wise if they yeah, looked at him. And Because, of course, we're going to have, what, like, three to five draft picks again, you know, to, to come in. And there's obviously going to be new players coming in in January, February, and March next year. And, you know, who knows how things are going to shake down. There, there, are, there are players who I hope will continue in, in WFC2 uh, from, our, from, our, from our club that, you know, the, again, the Mitches, the Jacksons, um, those kind of players, because I hope that they'll be able to continue to progress hopefully getting more consistent playing time and, 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 and whatnot. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Victor is, the, is probably the standout uh, non-MLS signed, signed player. Uh, it was nice to see you know, Brett today, you know, in a return from injury. That was last week or the week before. And yeah, I think if, if he hadn't got injured, he would have been pushing yes. possibly for that as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Robo has a look at him as well in preseason camp. Yes. My only question would be, I know he scored a couple goals earlier in the year. My only question would be is, again, consistency. Because, uh, you know, and, you, and, and, and who you're scoring against and the situation you're scoring, right? So he scores two today. It's a meaningless game for us. It's a meaningless game for them. It's kind of, you know, it's not a, you know, it's, kind of, it's, it's almost like a friendly in a sense, in a sense. But again, as I really, to me, I don't know, what do you think, Michael? I, I really think that, I, I think that like, to me, like Marco Carducci should be playing almost every game here that doesn't inter interfere with national team call-ups and whatever. Uh, sure, you'll have draft picks and whatever and, and that kind of stuff. But like, like, how did you feel about that? I actually wasn't, too upset by it. Like, I like Marco. I think he's got a great future. But having seen Spencer Ritchie pre-season training a lot, to me, Ritchie won the, the starting role. But Alan wanted to like rotate them and obviously Paolo Ternaghi's come down and played a couple of games. I just think right now in their careers, Ritchie is the better keeper. Now obviously Marco is not going to develop if he isn't playing minutes. What's the age difference though? I think Spencer's 23. Yeah. Marco's is 8. 18, 19 now. Yeah. I liked them rotating them, but at the same time, I think it would have been better to have a couple of games at a time as opposed to game in, game out, game in, game out. And I feel like that for all, all the guys. Yeah. Like Craig, Craig Nitty. Oh, yeah. I, I quite like what I saw from yeah. Nitty, and I'd like to see him back here next yes. year. But how can a player like that develop when he's in one week, he's out the next week, he's in again, he's out again? It's like you, you just it's like you can't develop. Season. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, it's, yeah, I guess I, I think Spencer was fine. Like I don't I have nothing against him. I just 
as long as he Marco Carducci continued to progress in his development as much as possible. And I did, and, and I think those matches for Paulo, I think, were helpful, meaningful. I know some of them were frustrating or whatever, you know, like the opener, for example, was, I know a difficult one, the, the first game in Seattle and stuff, but I think they were helpful to get him ready for um, the Voyager's Cup and for CONCACAF Champions League. And um, yeah, I think they were, so in the bigger picture, those are, again, that's, that's the kind of, kind of way you want to use this team, right? For to help the first team but also to to, to develop players. Now in this uh, round table rotation, uh, Steve has departed at the moment. And we're now joined by podcast deputant, AFTN photographer, Tommy Wasiek. And Tom, you've seen a lot of the USL. We've been at all the games this year. From pitch level, what what have you made of the season and just what we've been talking about so far? I wanted to follow up on Zach's uh, comments on goalkeeping. The most important thing that I saw was getting Paulo Tarnagi into the club as a keeper, as opposed to a squad player, somebody who trains well every week, who, who uh, works well with the guys, but actually gets to command them on the field. And I think when he came in, the first game that I saw him come in, he looked primed for it, he looked ready for it, he took control. And I thought that was an important touch. Um, overall, though, I think the, I consider this season middling at best. Um, I was impressed with some of the kids that came through. I was not overly impressed with most of the veterans that they signed. Um, Pridham did not do what I think he was supposed to do. And that was unfortunate. He was supposed to, he did not give up the ball when he was on, but he did not score those big goals that we thought he was going to. I thought Rosenlund was excellent all year long, though. Uh, I thought he gave leadership. Uh, on the field, you could hear him working the referees as only a veteran can. Um, he was vocal and vulgar at the same time. I think overall, in terms of going forward, midfield forward, the young kids showed that they have the most talent in this group. I, f I really was surprised at how good those um, uh, the midfielders, the offensive midfielders, actually got forward, uh, were quick on the ball, quick to pass, quick to uh, get open. The thing with the goalkeeping as well, though, it, it's hard to kind of judge any of them because of the defence that was in front of them no. and just deleted so many goals. But I think we've pretty much covered... How, how, how the season's done. So we've talked about the on-field stuff. Just a, a couple of quick things just about the off-field stuff. Logistics, first of all, getting to UBC, giant pain in the ass. Crowds were actually better than what I expected. I don't think they were as good as what the Whitecaps were expecting. They'll tell you that they were, and they'll, they'll tell you that they're happy with them, every crowd in the four figures at least. But as long as you're playing at UBC you're not going to get people out. Yeah, I think the location is... Uh, I, first off, I'll say I greatly appreciate, uh, you know, Lisa Makamurai from, from the Whitecaps front office, who is one of the, the people responsible for overseeing WFC2. And I think she, she's done a great job and she's great to work with. But yeah, I think lo like location is is not good for anyone. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's like, oh yay, I get to go to UBC forty times, or whatever. Or this, you know, unless you live here or whatever, you live very close, and or you like driving or biking or whatever. Um, no, I think that's been a, a major frustration, and uh, that I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. 
I don't know if they have a plan. I don't know if they're happy with this. I don't know. I don't know what they're what they're going to do going forward. But if they if they keep it here, I don't I don't expect them. I don't think they can expect anything better than what they got in terms of support and and people coming coming here. I think those numbers, those numbers too, as you talked about in the past, I think are not real numbers. They're they're ticket sale numbers. So that, that doesn't you know. It, there's probably been what like an average of like. Four to seven hundred and fifty people here for games, which is again, it's not terrible, not terrible, but it's not what it could be in a, in a community. It looked very good on the TV. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I've been here, so I haven't watched that, so I haven't seen that. But Scottish third division. We draw eight hundred. So not as good. People in their seats. Not as good as these five, but um, but yeah, no. So I, I think that's that's been that's been very difficult, and but I think these are the growing pains of a club of our club as we as we go from. As we go in, we keep on adding these things. So I think, you know, this year, hopefully we, we learn lessons and we're able to progress and move forward um, in terms of, you know, what's what's needed on on that on that side of uh, on that side of WFC two. I think, yeah. So they've they've I think they recognize that they've done that with the season membership, season ticket memberships or whatever, where they've lowered the price and they've uh, giving everyone tickets and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to say something about the actual stadium. This is a cozy stadium. You are far away from the field, but I actually like the architecture. It's old. Do you, do you know what cozy means? Because I, I was freezing today. <laughs> it's because it's cold out today. So it's not cozy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think overall, this is a neat little stadium, and I do like this place. Um, that being said, it's... I, I, are you it, alumni? Or? No. Okay. But that being said, it is, it is about as far away from everywhere as possible. Yeah. I mean, you could go to Salt Spring Island, I suppose. <laughs> One last thing I want to touch upon, though, is also the media coverage. It was non-existent. Like, apart from ourselves at AFTN and the From the Backline guys, nobody cared, nobody really came out to the games. It is a hard sell for the media who maybe don't have a lot of room even to cover the Whitecaps' first team in their stuff. But you've got no one really coming out and giving this team publicity. And if you don't have people giving the team publicity, writing pieces about the players... 24 did a little bit towards the end of the season, but if you've not got that happening, then folk just aren't going to be coming out to, to watch this. And I just, I don't know, it might change next year, but we'll see. But I think let's wrap it up for now. So just before we go, let's just let everyone know where they can find you online. So, Zach. It's Zachary AM on Twitter, and the movement that I'm a part of is Curva Collective. My name is Tom Iwasiak, and you can find me at Residual Image. So I hope you enjoyed this special WFC2 end of season podcast. The chat from the coaches, the chat from us at the round table. Always good to hear your thoughts on the season, who stood out, who didn't stand out, what you're expecting from the team next season, your thoughts of the team being at UBC going forward, anything you want to share at all, get in touch with us. Send us an email to aftncanada.hotmail.com or send us some thoughts on Twitter at AFTNCanada. So until next time on the podcast, I've been your host, Michael McCall. As mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can also read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so you can read all my stuff on that. But until next time, 
Thanks for listening. Take care. And as always, Mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>